This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, back to the field. Bases loaded. The pitch for Yanni. Here it comes. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron. Swings and hits it deep. Get up, baby. Get up. Get up. It's a grand slam. Oh, a grand slam home run for Yadier Molina. He touches the ball. Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Amron. Chris Raby with you, along with Tom Ackerman and Mike Claiborne this week on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Ben Boyd is our executive producer. Mike Anderson back in our network studios. And as always, a big thanks to Ann Carroll from the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Tom, we have been on the west side of the state, the greater Tampa area, for a three-game road trip that took the Cardinals to Lakeland against the Detroit Tigers, Clearwater to face the Phillies, and finally a visit to George M. Steinbrenner Field in Tampa for a matchup of the Cardinals and Yankees. Plenty going on back in Jupiter while the Cardinals play over here. And it's pretty remarkable in spring training, kind of the just moving parts and the machinations of how everyone gets their work in and how everything happens. It's a lot more behind the scenes than just playing the game on the field that we hear on the radio on the Cardinals network or see on television. First time in a while that I've gone on a road trip on this side of the state, and it's been pretty nice. Like you mentioned, Lakeland, Clearwater, and then Tampa. And seeing Mike Schilt sort of move players in and out and give them different opportunities. And really the day that stands out is what we saw on Tuesday, where the Cardinals had a pitching uh, arsenal, if you will, of Jack Flaherty followed by Andrew Miller, then Jordan Hicks, and then Alex Reyes. I mean, it was pretty strong, and, and I thought about that quartet appearing in a game. Yeah. Now Alex Reyes is being prepared as a starter, but you know, at some point could that happen in the regular season? Could it happen in the postseason? That, that kind of got me excited. And what we saw was Jack Flaherty striking out nine in four scoreless frames, Andrew Miller making a nice comeback and pitching a scoreless frame, Jordan Hicks striking out four in one inning, Throwing then, 103. Yeah, I mean, amazing. And then Alex Reyes, just getting him back on the mound, facing another team, and having him go through the process of getting into a game, warming up in the bullpen, running into a little bit of trouble with a couple of walks, having a chat on the mound with his coaches and his teammates and manager Mike Schilt, uh, you know, in the dugout, but Mike Maddox out on the mound. You know, all of those things I'm sure felt good and normal to him again. And so that was a really, I thought, big day for the Cardinals and it sort of validated what we've said and what the Cardinals have said is that this young pitching, if it comes together, if we've seen the depth in the organization, this could be a very special year. There's a lot of ifs there, and everything has to stay uh, in terms of health on the positive. But it is a very good sign the Cardinals have some really good pitchers for a number of years to come. Let's talk about those four guys, and I think that the four of them are kind of a microcosm for – the Cardinals staff right now you have Flaherty who I think is along with Miles Michaelis one of the knowns right you know or at least 
hope you know what you're going to get from him this year and what his role is going to be. Everyone else, Michael Waka, injury questions. Ended the year on the disabled list last year. Adam Wainwright said he thought his career was potentially over last year. He's back. What will you get from him? And then there's the fifth starter spot. So Jack Flaherty, I think, is a known commodity along with Miles, who threw earlier today in Jupiter. Then you have Hicks and Miller, who I think are both known that they'll be in the bullpen but could fill a variety of roles. Will Andrew Miller be the high-leverage guy who comes in in a variety of situations? Will Jordan Hicks be the closer? Will Jordan Hicks be brought in to get a big strikeout? And then you have Alex Reyes, who I think his role is up in the air in a good way as he continues to progress. So I think the four guys we saw yesterday can kind of be a microcosm for the Cardinals pitching and the options they have right now. I agree with you, and I think that the Cardinals uh, have so many different things they can do with their pitchers and you know one thing that hasn't been established yet is who closes the game but it's very possible that the cardinals go into it not having completely established that i mean andrew miller could close um carlos martinez when he comes back from injury is it a guarantee that he's going to be in the rotation you know they've already said on the record and they saw it last year that he can pitch out of the bullpen so you just never know uh, even a John Brebbia is capable of closing games, and there are others, too, who can close out games, and Jordan Hicks sort of fits that prototype of somebody that would have the ability to throw strikes as long as he can do that. He has overpowering stuff. So it's exciting. I think the rotation right now has two great, actually three great anchors in Michaelis and Flaherty and Waka. And then Adam Wainwright, as long as he is back and feeling good, that's a great piece to have. And, and you know, and then you, you look at the rest of the rotation candidates and say you have to feel pretty good about March 28th when you waltz into Miller Park in Milwaukee that you're sporting a pretty nice 25-man roster. And, and it's always going to change. April will not be the same thing in October. It's just the way it is. If you're fortunate enough to get there, you're going to have a different look. Things happen throughout the year. But this team will will win if their pitching's good. I think that the, the rest of it is coming together. I think that I, I would not worry one bit. If you see a player struggling offensively, spring training, they work on a lot of things, they're getting their timing down. I believe that this defense is going to be a whole heck of a lot better and the number one reason why is that Paul Goldschmidt's playing first base. That changes so many different things. We already know that Colton Wong is gold glove caliber. We know that Harrison Bader is gold glove caliber. We know that the Cardinals have some other positions that they need to make sure are stabilized defensively. But I think that area of the game will be a big improvement. What impresses you most about the way Jack Flaherty goes about his business? Jack Flaherty is a competitor and completely focused so he has i think a a mission this year to be better and i think that he will do that every year i don't think that there's anything you can say about jack flaherty and let's just not even talk about his stuff right now but just the person the way that he's wired is how some of the best athletes that i've covered and and remember it's how they are. And, you know, the first one that comes to mind is Chris Carpenter. Chris Carpenter, a fiery competitor. Now, I'm not expecting Jack Flaherty to be out there barking at people and, you know, being that. I'm not talking about that. I just mean the way that he locks in and, and gets himself prepared for a game reminds me of covering Chris Carpenter. 
and and the way that he is built, his athleticism allows him to be in top shape each time. And then you get to his stuff. You know, he has a fastball, a two-seamer, a four-seamer. We're starting to see that, that thing fall off the table a little bit. You have a slider that's as devastating as anybody in the National League when it's on. He can even do a curve and a change when he needs to. He is the complete package. And you can see why now that the Cardinals had no interest in trading him. None. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's a credit to him. But he's also a, a teammate that I think already, it's just his mentality. Like, he carries himself like a veteran yeah. already. And Jordan And a Hicks, desire to be great. Yeah, Jordan Hicks and some of these younger pitchers are already looking at him and saying, that's who I want to be. And that's, uh, uh, that to me, he, he screams leader, ace, all of those things down the road. We've talked a lot about Alex Reyes this camp as well, and it's great to talk about Alex getting on the mound in a Grapefruit League game. First time since 2015. And what a step for him to not just actually get into game action, but to cross that off the list and move forward now. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, Alex Reyes, um, you know, getting in there. Adam Wainwright getting in there. You know, no no matter what, spring training is about getting yourself back into position. If you come off an injury, if you come off, a bad year, whatever it is, spring training is a renewal. It's a way to get out there and and feel the love for the game again. So any chance you have as a ball player to put on the uniform and to be able to compete again is a huge moment for you, and especially if you've done something great in the past and you feel like you can get back to where you used to be or at least reinvent yourself to start to, to create that path back. So this has been, I think, a very... And it's still very early, and optimism is, you know, abound during this time of yeah. year. And as we get a little closer to the start of the season, the pressure starts to creep in a little bit and get things get a little tighter, and now you, you have to make some tough decisions to, to put your roster together and your rotation and all that and your position players. But um, right now it's a very good feeling, I think, for these players like that who are getting an opportunity. Yeah. And I want to talk more about Adam Wainwright in our second hour. We'll talk about the backup catching role. You speak about veterans. Matt Weeders now squarely in the mix, if not the leader in the clubhouse with the injury to Francisco Pena. But uh, we've got a big show coming up for you. Going to visit with Lou Brock, Mike Maddox this hour, Brett Cecil as well. Also, you'll chat with Matt Morris, who's on the Cardinal Hall of Fame ballot. More from Dr. Robert Butler, all of that coming up. The Budweiser Ballpark Pass gives Cardinals fans the ability to go to every home game for just $29.99 a month. All you need is a smartphone for details or to purchase. Visit cardinals.com slash pass. Chris Raby, Tom Ackerman, and Mike Claiborne all with you this week. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Amarant. Just getting started, and we're back in a moment right here on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Well, we have a chance to visit with Brett Cecil, Cardinal reliever. First of all, where did you hide your body in the offseason? Mm-hmm. Because you and McLaughlin and a few other guys really made a focused effort in the offseason to lose a few pounds. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, I feel great. I feel so much better. Um, just, I mean, even like shagging and, uh, and BP like we just did was um, even a little bit more fun. Um, you know, just, uh, just moving around feels a lot better, um, a lot less sore. Um, Arms starting to starting to come around um, right around like first week, two weeks. Um, there's there's uh, you know just the off season kinks getting out and and um, you know getting that 
correct motion, correct shoulder mobility down. And, and um, I mean, I've been, I will, I will say this is probably, um, probably the hardest I've, I've worked in, in any spring training as far as, um, preparation, um, not necessarily doing, doing the drills and stuff like that. But as far as like, before I even get on the field, my, my preparation is, has, has gone from, um, you know, about a, about a five to a, to a 10. For you, uh, and, and when you talk about preparation, it's also mental preparation and knowing what you have to do. Now, how do you try and make these adjustments with basically a new body? Uh, it's hard. Um, it's definitely hard. Um, um, specifically while you're on the mound, because that's obviously that's where, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of balance comes in. You're on a downhill slope and you have to be able to, you know, compose yourself, control your body and, and go downhill at a controlled and a steady pace. And, you know, steady pace can be, you know, it can look really quick for one guy, but that's his steady pace. That's what, you know, gets him in a position to throw. Um, how um, how long did, will it take you to feel like you're at that point for the season? Because everybody works themselves into spring training and gets themselves ready for the season. But with all the adjustments and changes you made, do you have a timetable on when you feel like, okay, let's get it on? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it really, you know, the first live BP I had was kind of uh, just a crappy situation. Um, I mean, I was, I was literally trying not to throw up while I was out there. I felt terrible, um, but... You know, I had already warmed up, and um, you know, the guys were in there waiting, and I just tried to tried to get what I could out of it, um, and and that's why you know, I threw 15 pitches in eight minutes, and I had to I'd really take my time and, and make sure my my stomach was calmed down because when I was throwing over there on the mound, I started to feel it, and then I stepped away, grabbed a drink of water, stumped or jumped back on the mound, threw another pitch, felt okay, walked around a little bit, got back on the mound, and I felt fine, and as soon as I, you know did a whole throwing motion the feeling just came right back and then you know I knew I had to take at least a little bit of time in between pitches to do that and then um and then the second one was um uh quite frankly night and day with um with how I felt and how the results went um were results were very good my my pitches were down um and uh, I think that's um I mean, for me as a as a pitcher, as far as getting that uh, adrenaline up, and as far as getting that um, that feeling of hey, I'm ready to go, I think it happens um, step by step, and it starts with with getting a hitter in there and doing that live BP. You know, you start to build that little bit of adrenaline. You know, into the second one, you're a little bit more ready to go, and then you know, you get to the first game out here. You know, you throw one inning, and you just you, you build a, a rhythm, and you know by the you know by the fifth sixth seventh game of spring training i feel like um you know if if no setback or anything had to miss something whatever you should feel pretty confident in and um and what you're what you're doing and and you should have um at least by that second to last if not definitely the last you should have uh, a pretty good idea of you know what you're trying to do in the, in this next coming week of the of the season starting what do you work on as far as your pitches? I know that, as we said, you know, you work with a different body now. Uh, when will you know your triggers and knowing, okay, I'm starting to feel it, especially with your breaking ball, because you want to be able to locate that as well? I've already, I've already started feeling, um, feeling that. And, um, 
what I've really been trying to focus in on is my bullpens and, and um, you know, even in live BP is just um, I want to try and keep my keep my head on a level a level plane and not not try and not leave the mound too early. Um, and, you know, the only thing that happens when you leave the mound too early is, you know, your Bad your nice. shoulder goes away from your body and, you know, you turn sideways and you're all like this. And, um, and as old as I am now and um, – you know my experience. I can I can tell you exactly if I could while I was in the pitching motion. I could tell you exactly when I did something wrong. If we could slow it down to that speed, I could tell you exactly when I did something wrong because I can feel it. And whether that's uh, you know a twinge in my shoulder that tells me, or I just you know I miss or something like that, something will tell me that I that I did something wrong. And and I feel like right now I can fix it pretty quickly. Um, and uh, one thing I learned about myself that is really helping is my breathing um we take that for granted don't we yeah yeah and especially when you realize something like i didn't you, you really take it for granted and and i realized uh, i was actually at home and and my arms it just it kept barking when i was throwing it never hurt when it didn't when i wasn't throwing that's that's kind of my trigger when it hurts when i'm throwing like i i feel like something's wrong that's right johnny <clears throat> and um so I would throw, but then like right after I released, like my arm would just bark. So I was like racking my brain over this. And so I was like thinking in my head. And, and so I stood up at home and, and I just got my set position. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, you know, where do you go from here? And I lifted my leg up and I took this huge breath in. And then I went forward and then I finished. And when I finished, I was, you know, went like that. And I'm like, man, that's a, that's a long time to hold your breath. Because obviously when you hold your breath, you're in like a tense position. So... I, I made an adjustment to breathe out, leg up, and then as I'm going down, take a deep breath in and then blow it out right away as I'm going. And it really, like, it just really felt like it freed my arm up a little bit and gave me um, maybe a little bit loo- a little bit more loose, a little bit more live. Um, and I just, those those two things is really what uh, I've been trying to focus on. And, um, and when I do those things, it, it keeps me uh, right in the zone, right around the zone. And it, it paid off. Uh, you know, throwing to the live BP and stuff. You learned a lot about yourself last year. It was a, a year I'm sure most people would probably want to forget, but you took something away from it to make you a better person and a better player for this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, and you know, I'm not I'm not patting myself on the back, but it's a hard thing to do when you're in a situation like that because you feel like anything you do is nothing is nothing is working. So. Um, and what I just try to keep telling myself is that you need a breather. You need you need to separate yourself from this in order to reevaluate, reassess, you know, re-motivate yourself almost to uh, want to do this because I had no wants, want whatsoever to do anything. And that's just, you know, it's just the way the year goes. And, and I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm going to be honest. And, I, you know, I've said it before, I, I didn't want to be there. Right now I want to be here. Right now, I want to go. I want to do stuff that makes me better. I want to do stuff that is going to make my team better. I want my teammates to be able to trust me that I'm going to do whatever it takes to be able to win. And that's it. All right, let's switch gears. Let's talk some hockey. We both enjoy that. I'm a little worried about your Capitals, man. Defensively, man, they they can be an adventure every night. They made a couple of changes, and and you know I like I like Hagelin, um, real fast skater, yeah. and um, they just got Nick Jensen too, and. Like you said, like defensively, I, I feel like uh, 
and as a professional player, like it's so hard. I'm not like ragging on my team. It's just I've been watching for so long. Like I know I can tell you when somebody's playing good. I can tell you when somebody's not playing so good. And more more so than not, they're probably gonna agree with me. And and I know a lot of these guys too. And uh, you know they know as well as I do. I'm pull, I'm pulling for them, and I know they're pulling for me. So you know one of the things, and you're a professional athlete, and I've been around them enough. I've always found if you just keep it simple and do your job, you have a lot more fun. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, they asked me in the offseason, you know, what kind of stuff can they bring to the table as far as, like, analytics stuff and, and everything like that. I'm not a big, uh, you know, numbers readers guy. I like. I would rather have somebody, you know, go through the numbers, look at the numbers for me, and then and give me something simpler to look at so I don't have all this information in my head trying to make a decision while, you know, the game is, you know, is going on and it speeds up, you know, pretty quickly, quickly without even having all this information. So, you know, just imagine what it feels like if you have all these <laughs> numbers going around your head and then this game's speeding up on you, you're trying to figure out this guy can hit a curveball or fastball in a 2-1 count. Like, it's, it, there's a lot of processing to go on. And, and um, I, I, I guess I just don't have the mental capacity to... to you're not by yourself. And, you know, and, and I think the more, the, more, the more thinking you do out there, the wrong kind of thinking, obviously, the, the worst things are, that are going to happen. Let's have some good thinking this year. Thanks for the time. Good health to you, and let's have some fun on the mound this year. I'm looking forward to it. Let's give away seven ticket vouchers for any single session of the 2019 Missouri Valley Conference Men's Basketball Tournament, March 7th through the 10th. For more information on the Missouri Valley Conference games, visit archmadness.com. Lou Brock. One of the greatest Cardinals of all time, the Hall of Famer. He joins us next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amarant, right here on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. The Cardinals Kids Club, presented by Rawlings, is the fan club for kids 13 and under. Membership includes exclusive Cardinals items, two tickets to a 2019 Cardinals home game, an invite to a members-only party at Bush Stadium, and much more. Visit cardinals.com slash kidsclub. To join, we're back on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren in Florida at spring training. And we hand it back over to Mike Claiborne standing by with a very special guest. It's a treat to have the Hall of Famer Lou Brock here in spring training. And first of all, sir, you're looking good. Thank you, sir. It's sure happy to be around. Yeah, it's good to have you here. And you've been to so many spring trainings. And just to have you around and watch how this game is played. You watch the game a lot. What do you see that's different from when you play well, I think the attitude is most, most different, and uh, it's a little, I don't know, something in your psyche maybe that bothers you as you commit to a long-term contract. But that's a, a thing that is in the players' mind that bothers them because you don't know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. You know, it's funny because this camp, they're doing a lot more teaching than what we've seen in the past, and everybody's on the same page. How many people taught you when you were coming up? Well, you better have some kind of knowledge in your <laughs> in, in your foresight uh, or whatever it may be. You just had to have some of that into a situation you can shake it down and get to the fundamental part of it and then go from there. But you couldn't let too many of those fundamentals 
hang out there. You know, for you, uh, I always remember 13 Steps. You had this thing scientifically figured out well before a lot of people. And I know Willie McGee always talks about the first time you were a base running instructor, you had the tape measure and a clipboard and stopwatch and all those things. I think they still do it, but you were one of the guys who really figured this out at the early stage of your career. Well, most of the guys really didn't look at a, a ruler being such a ruler. They're being such an increment that can pull you back from a base. You can slide into second base and you stand uh, 11 inches away. A whole foot you can get, but man, 11 feet, 11 uh, inches, uh, that will make the difference. So you want to make up that difference. And you just can't look out there at the picture and make that kind of a difference. You need to spread it out on the ground and show it how you can do it. You know, one of the other things we don't see a lot of, and you made it famous, you learned the hard way is the pop-up slide. Everybody goes in hand first. And I know they're trying to avoid the tag, but it's something about the pop-up slide that gives you the advantage in case the ball gets away or that, that infielder doesn't stay down there as low trying to put the tag in because he can catch a shoulder right in the chops. Well, again, when I was talking about the long-term contract, we had a lot to do with that. One of them is... Uh, stealing bases and running um, at the point you're going to pop up when you use your leg you got to pop up and when you do that chances are you're going to get hurt so rather than a player getting hurt I don't go at all because that's what we see we'll visit with the Hall of Famer Lou Brock and Lou uh for you, I, I heard a great story Keith Hernandez tells about you, and I know you guys are very close. He said he was a young guy, and uh, you were a guy that went to him and said, hey, we're playing Cincinnati, and they got a catcher in Johnny Bench. He's going to throw you a lot of fastballs because he's going to try to throw me out. And Keith used to just look forward to Cincinnati and you getting on base because he knew he's going to see a meatball. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, all those kind of games can be played. It can be played nowadays. I don't use it quite that often, but um, you get a good base stealer. And one of the things about base running that you must stand on the takeoff, and that is a runner. He's standing at first base, he's head for second base, and he's 45 feet uh, level going towards, and just your one was the only man who could do that. I came close, but I couldn't get that 45-degree <laughs> angle. Wow. <laughs> who, who gave you a problem as far as catchers or pitchers, basically? Because you're really stealing off the pitcher more than the catcher. But who were some of the guys that uh, gave you problems, if any? Well, and, and the Dodgers had the best pitching uh, staff in baseball and holding runners on. So they gave any with a good arm a chance to get you. Uh, but when you got a, a slow pitching staff and you got a slow catcher, and then when we all run on them, but you got to run when chips are down. And so the Dodgers was pretty much it. Johnny Branch was probably second on the list. The pitching Cincinnati would let you run. So Johnny could throw it out, so you just get a bigger lead and take off. 
There's a great story about Sandy Koufax. Somebody asked him, did he ever throw at anybody intentionally? He said, yeah, one guy, Lou Brock. Yeah, he got me pretty good, too, yeah. Did you break your collarbone or your shoulder blade after that pitch? Shoulder blade, yeah, shoulder blade, and I stayed out. Like five games and then came back. Um, my manager just said, either the guy going to knock you out of the game or you got to bounce back. So what you rather do? Let me play. And so I played. And Lou Brock, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. More importantly, to have you at spring training is a treat for all the players and all the Cardinal fans. And I'm looking forward to seeing you on opening day in St. Louis. Well, I'm looking forward to it as well. I'd like to see some more baseball, as I said here today. Well, the weather's better here than it is back in St. Louis. So look at it that way. Well, you're right. I'd rather be here. Thank you, sir. Thank you. For the very best in Cardinals coverage, it's Cardinals Magazine. Subscribe today and receive two free tickets to see the Redbirds at Bush this summer. Order at 314-345-9000 or cardinals.com slash publications. Mike Maddox, the pitching coach, with us next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. It's always good to visit with Mike Maddox, Cardinal pitching coach. How much fun are you having right now with all these arms in camp and You've been in this game a long time. Have you ever been around this many arms that have not just potential but establish themselves as guys that can play in this game for a long time? Yeah, this is probably the deepest group of pitchers I've been around ever. Just to see the depth of the starting guys, you know, uh, in spring training we're going to stretch nine of them out. All nine are going to help us sometime during the year. You know, we uh, the bullpen is, you know, the additions of uh, Andrew Miller really help a lot. I think uh, Jordan Hicks, what he showed last year, reliable piece. Having Dominic Leon healthy all year is going to be good. Mike Myers uh, little shows up in spring training with an extra two pitches and motivation. John Brebbia, who did it all for us last year. The list goes on. I know I'm forgetting some folks, but we got, Always do. Yeah, we got yeah. 33 guys here and trying to keep them all uh, on schedule. Everybody their work in. You know, we've only got so many innings, so. So how do you manage that? Because, you know, it, it's one thing to get innings. It's another thing to get innings against legitimate hitters to see what your stuff can actually do. It's a challenge that way. If you do the simple math, if, if just uh, if I had 33 pitchers and I want to give everybody 10 innings, that's 330 innings. We got we got 30 games, and if you played nine innings all times, you know that's 270. So. Someone's going to fall up short, and plus we're, the starter's going to get 24 innings. So uh, that's nine guys getting 24 innings. That's taking up a lot of them. So we're going to have to do some uh, squad games back here where times before off day, you know, we'll maybe have an eight-inning scrimmage game where that's 16 innings of pitching and try to pick up the slack that way. When you have these kids coming in, what are you trying to look for? You mentioned, like, um, Mike Myers came in with a couple of new pitches. What do you try and look for as far as giving them something to work off of? Well, number one, we start with fastball command. You know, we can have the greatest scouting reports and the greatest analytics and all the data, all the information, but it all comes down to execution of pitches. So first thing we want to do is execute our, <coughs> execute our fastball, get our fastball where we want it to go, and everything plays off of that, whether you throw a curveball slider or just a curveball or just a slider. Definitely make sure we have a changeup or some type of uh, softer pitch in the mix, but at least have a minimum of three pitches, and it's okay to have four. Go from there. You know, when you talk about pitch selection in fastball, it, it's more location and velocity, isn't it? I mean, we get so caught up in the radar gun, 
But you know what? You give me a guy, say, for instance, Greg Maddox, who wasn't a guy who threw hard, but, man, he could spot it here, he could spot it there, he didn't throw it down the middle of the plate. Do we miss it sometimes with some of these young pitchers because they don't have the velocity and they don't have the high scouting report grade, but they can still get people out? Yeah, there's some guys with pitchability that sneak up on you. They might not be the, the big prospect by Baseball America or get ranked really high in you know these uh, periodicals that rank your players because they're just ranking stuff. They're not. You can't rank hearts. You can't rank, rank uh, fortitude. Those are things that uh, they show you they have, and it's up, up to us to discover those guys and find that diamond in the rough, per se, that nobody's talking about, and all of a sudden they're passing guys up, and Cal Hendricks is pitching big games for the Cubs. That's a great point you make. Hey, what about guys that you look forward to seeing in spring training? I mean, we've got Cabrera, who we didn't see because he was in the minors, but everybody talked about his good stuff. Who are some of the guys you really want to get a long look at because you know somewhere, someplace down the road, they're going to have an impact on this ball club? Well, I think uh, Ponce de Leon, you know, being a guy that came up and showed us a lot of good things last year. Um, Cabrera comes uh, highly advertised. You know, we picked him up later last year and did a nice job in the bullpen in Memphis. Um, this young kid, we got uh, Seth Elledge, um, Dallas Baptist University kid that was in college just recently as a year and a half ago. And yeah, he's, uh, he's shown some things. Everybody has shown stuff. I know I'm leaving someone out, but everybody's shown some pitchability, some, some good stuff. So the games will... Uh, kind of help us evaluate players and they'll evaluate themselves what's been the biggest change you've seen from when you entered in as a player to when you elevated yourself to a coach to where you're at now where you have seasons under your belt the biggest change um i would say the probably the medical side of it the uh, strength and conditioning side of it where guys are more in tune with their bodies uh, guys uh, the preparation to get ready to withstand the rigors it's a lot different, you know, we, we work differently uh, back in old school, you could say, a lot more, you know, we ran, we did sit-ups and things like that. Now it's uh, everything is so scientific and so uh, singular for that player that guys give themselves a better chance to hone the muscles they need, they need to use. But with that said, <clears throat> we see guys that are bigger, stronger, faster. They eat better, they condition themselves. Why is it that we are so stuck on 100 pitches and a lot of times it's 100 pitches in five or six innings? What, what, what's been the change with regard to being able to be more durable and be more pitch effective? I think our pitch counts have climbed because of the amount of foul balls. The game has turned into an explosive game. You know, the hitters are more explosive based on the workouts and all that we talked earlier, but the game is all about explosion. You know, swinging the back quicker, letting it get deeper, and guys are throwing harder. So these hitters are trying to let it get deeper, explode later, and leads to a lot of foul balls. You know, if you shorten your swing and put the ball in play, yeah. it would take less pitches to get out. Well, and you know, the other thing is, you have some really good hitters that will fall off that really nasty pitch and make you come to them at some point. And I think I see a lot more good hitters. I'm not saying everybody is. But the good ones on the two-strike count will flip one away and then say, all right, Brick, give me something else. <laughs> that's, that's the lost art. You know, Rod Carew can sit up there and just oh. poke stuff off or Pete Rose. And now you got guys that will do it. Uh, Daniel Murphy kind of does it. Uh, Carp will do it. Um, there's, there's guys still out there with that approach. But I think right now there's, the home run is so, so sexy that you can't defend it that more and more guys are just 
you know, swinging for the downs, but the strikeouts are way up, and it doesn't seem to matter much because one home run and four at bats and three strikeouts—that was still a—that was a big hit. So, <laughs> some ball clubs kind of go that way. Well, don't make the roster up in ink yet because you're going to be erasing some names along the way. Enjoy this because a lot of pitching coaches are envious of this opportunity that you have to work with so many good young players. So use a pencil for a while because you may have to scratch out some names. We do everything on a printer. It looks pretty. It's (laughs) color-coded, but it's all done in pencil, and it's a blessing to have these guys. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. While the Cardinals' bats are heating up in Florida, we are firing up the new grills of the Budweiser Burger Bar in St. Louis. Whenever you're at the ballpark this season, be sure to head to the Budweiser Terrace on the fourth level of Bush Stadium to try the new Budweiser Burger Bar featuring handmade craft burgers with a Budweiser twist. Doesn't that sound good? We'll take a break, come back, and wrap up our number one next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren, right here on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome back, Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. We wrap up the first hour of our show and get ready for our number two. A big thanks to our guests, Lou Brock, Mike Maddox, also Brett Cecil, for joining us here in the first hour of the program. Coming up, we'll chat tickets and the Budweiser Ballpark Pass with Martin Coco. Uh, the Cardinals will also visit with Matt Morris. He's on the Cardinals Hall of Fame ballot. You can vote right now at cardinals.com slash HOF. Get your votes in. Can't wait to see who the 2019 class that's going to be headed into the Cardinals Hall of Fame is. We'll chat as well with Dr. Robert Butler, the Director of Performance, and more as Tom and I talk Adam Wainwright and the backup catching position. Let's give away a Cardinals calendar right now, the 2019 Cardinals calendar. That'll go to caller 3 at 314-531-1120. Caller 3 right now wins a Cardinals calendar. Hour 2 of the program coming up. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. Chris Raby, Tom Ackerman, and Mike Claiborne all with you. And we're back after this on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. All right, back to the field. Bases loaded. The pitch for Yanni. Here it comes. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron. Swings and hits it deep. Get up, baby. Get up. Get up. It's a grand slam. Oh, a grand slam home run for Yadier Molina. He touches the ball. Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Second hour of Cardinals Countdown Opening Day presented by Ameren Off and Running. Chris Raby, Tom Ackerman, Mike Claiborne all with you. Ben Boyd, our executive producer. Mike Anderson back in our Cardinals Network studios. And a big thanks to Ann Carroll of the Cardinals Radio Network. We are in Florida at spring training. Going to talk uh, about an exciting offering at Bush Stadium here in just a moment. Speaking of exciting, how about we give away seven ticket vouchers for any single session of the 2019 Missouri Valley Conference Men's Basketball Tournament. It starts this weekend, March 7th through the 10th. For more information on the tournament and Missouri Valley Conference games, visit archmadness.com. We'll give away those vouchers right now to caller 3 at 314-531-1120. It's great to give a ring to Martin Coco of the St. Louis Cardinals back in st louis to check in and talk about an exciting uh, option for this year martin how are you man doing great glad to be with you guys the 2019 budweiser ballpark pass on sale at cardinals.com slash pass this uh, awesome ticket subscription service that you guys are bringing back tell folks whether they have experienced it before or they haven't a little bit about the budweiser ballpark pass martin 
Yeah, this is the third year now that we've uh, we've featured the ballpark pass, uh, and uh, it's been very popular with fans. It's just a different way. Uh, we try to come up with as many different ways to get people to the ballpark as possible. And uh, the idea behind this one is affordability. Uh, so twenty nine ninety nine per month gets you one ticket, a standing room ticket, delivered to your smartphone for every game except opening day. So. That's the one exception in there. But every other game, uh, all the, the, the highlighted games this year, Cubs weekends, the Angels weekends, every other game, uh, 80 games delivered to your, uh, to your smartphone. So I say 80 games. I should, I should catch myself a little bit there. Uh, it's a monthly subscription. So uh, you get that month's games. And then the nice part about it is you don't have to come back and keep buying it over and over. It's a, a renewing subscription, somewhat similar to a Netflix account or a Spotify or something like that. Uh, we know that that's sort of the way that people are moving now is uh, these very simple subscriptions that you sign up once and uh, you get uh, charged on a monthly basis. But the, the ease of it is what we hear from fans that is uh, is so great is they don't have to worry about uh, making a decision to purchase a ticket. They'll have a ticket delivered to their phone for every game uh, and can pull it up on their phone through the ballpark app and scan and you're in the ballpark. And all you have to do is go to cardinals.com slash pass, and this will be finished in minutes. Such an easy thing for you to do to get into the ballpark. And here's the other thing. You have so many gathering areas now where these fans can socialize, and I love going up to the Budweiser Terrace. I think that's one of the best things that's happened to Bush Stadium in a while. What a great place to hang out, watch the game, and have some cold ones. Yeah, we we just got rave reviews from fans last year, and uh, as the season went on, and more and more fans figured out that was a great place to enjoy uh, both pre-game and in-game, uh, a great social area. So one thing we heard from folks is uh, if you if you have friends who are at the game but your seats aren't together. Uh, it's a great place to meet up, uh, again, whether it's just pregame uh, to enjoy a beverage beforehand or even the great part about the terrace, as you mentioned, is uh, there are uh, a good portion of the seating area is within view of the field. So uh, it's uh, it was very well received. And that's these two are, are sort of loosely connected, the ballpark pass. There are a good number of other sort of uh, social standing room areas throughout the ballpark as well that fans may be familiar with, but certainly the one that is, is the most well-known and the most popular is uh, the Budweiser Terrace. So we do find that a lot of folks uh, with their ballpark pass, uh, since they don't have an actual seat uh, or an assigned seat to the game, that's where they end up enjoying the game. Just twenty nine ninety nine a month at cardinals.com slash pass. And I know another huge draw for people, Martin, is that uh, you can get the promotional giveaways. That's right. Yeah, this is, uh, I mean, when you have the ballpark pass, your standing room ticket, you're just like uh, every other ticket holder in the ballpark. So if there's a promotional item giveaway that night or any other uh, thing that uh, a ticketed fan would have access to, you're just the same with your ballpark pass standing room ticket. Yeah, it's a great way to get into the ball game, And this can happen throughout the year. Like you said, I think it's important to point out that it's a monthly uh, subscription, but Gosh, just think in the middle of the summer and, and you you have a chance to gather with your friends and go to games. I think that's a there are two huge things for me. One is the ease of it, 
how you can do everything digitally now with your phone, but also you make that great point of, you know, Cardinals games are social events. You have friends scattered throughout the park. What a great thing to be able to spend some time together. That's right. We did hear that from fans a lot last year, and certainly uh, I'm glad you pointed that out about the, the time of year, Tom. That's uh, if, if fans don't if they find that there may not be many April games or May games that uh, fit their schedule, uh, this is something that's on sale year-round, so uh, or se- full season, not year-round. Yeah. Um, so if you decide in June's the time to start your subscription, uh, that's when you want to purchase it. That's uh, that works for some fans and their schedules. We hear from a, a lot of college students who might be out of town for school. They come back in town for the summer. They just purchase it for the the summer months when they're here in town. So it is convenient and sort of uh, flexible to be able to fit whatever schedule you have. The 2019 Budweiser Ballpark Pass on sale now at cardinals.com slash pass. That's where you go. Sign up and get into all the Cardinal games you like this summer outside of opening day. Martin Coco, we appreciate it, man, and can't wait to see you at the ballpark. Can't wait to see you up in the Budweiser Terrace. All right. Thanks, guys. Let's talk Cardinals Hall of Fame, the ballot, when we come back. One of the guys vying for induction is Matt Morris, and he joins Tom Ackerman after this on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Continue on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren, Chris Raby, Tom Ackerman, Mike Claiborne, all with you this week from spring training. Let's give away a Cardinals calendar right now, the fantastic 2019 Cardinals calendar. We'll give that to caller 3 at 314 531 1120 and now we turn it over to tom ackerman the cardinals hall of fame fan balloting is now open you can go to cardinals.com slash hof you can select two players from a ballot that includes some cardinal greats on that list is keith hernandez jason isringhausen edgar renteria scott roland john tudor and our guest, he was a tremendous pitcher for Tony Larusa in his years with the Cardinals from 1997 to 2005. I covered that team from Matt's start all the way through 05, and I had a blast doing it. It is Matt Morris. How are you? Tom, I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's great to have you on. You were a first-round pick. You made your major league debut less than two years after being taken 12th overall in the draft. In 97, you won a dozen games. You were an all-star in 01 and 02. I remember in 01, just such a great year. You win 22 games, a National League all-star, third in the Cy Young voting. And I thought one of the biggest things that you did in eight seasons with the club, you started 11 postseason games. What a great run that was with you and the Cardinals. Oh, man, absolutely amazing. You know, and, and uh, it's easier to look back now after I've been out of the game for a while. So, uh um, man, those memories and those times I was able to spend with my teammates was was just outstanding. We had, uh, you know, and and here I am up against half of them. You know, you got a Renteria and an Isringhausen and a Roland, and these guys were all instrumental in my career, and they're also great friends. And it's just such a memorable time to look back on. Over that time, you won four division titles. You have just shy of 1,000 strikeouts, 986 with the Cardinals. That's sixth all-time as a Cardinal, and your 620 winning percentage is seventh best in club history. I know that pitchers take this very seriously. You give your team a chance to win, and when Tony Larusa gave you the ball, you took that role very seriously, didn't you? I did. I mean, you know, um, mostly for myself and for my teammates, uh, 
um, you know, a couple older guys that had mentored me, including Daryl Kyle, just always made it important for the starting pitcher to get out there. You know, it's, it's the old one at one every fifth day, so everybody laughs about that, saying, you know, what are you playing, golf the rest of the time and hanging out? But when you are on that day, it's really important, and you can put a big piece in as the starting pitcher. So I – you know, the stats and, and, and all that stuff, strikeouts. I was a ground ball pitcher. I tried to get in and out quick. I know uh, Buddy Bates, our equipment manager at the time, loved when I pitched on the travel day because, you know, I was just getting on the rubber and letting it fly and, and trying to make them hit the ball and not get too deep in the counts and, and kind of get the game moving and, and control the time of the game. So um, amazing stuff. And, and uh and uh, memories I'll have forever. You worked with some great catchers, too, most notably during your time, Mike Matheny. Before Yadier Molina, there was a great gold glove catcher in St. Louis, and Mike Matheny, you two had a special relationship, didn't you? We did. Uh, you know, he took it to the next level. I Before he came on, and, and you know, and I was able to get the tail end of Tom Pagnazzi and a handful of guys in between that, including Eli Marrero, um, and, and Yachty was coming up, but, but when Mike stepped in, uh, he just had a different work ethic and a different preparation, and, and uh, he's the type of guy that would go out into the bullpen, whether it was in spring training, whether it was before your start, and warm you up, and that's kind of rare. You know, you usually have a bullpen catcher warming you up while you're resting or preparing or looking at film, he was just a hands-on guy. He watched so much film, gave you confidence in what he called. You know, if you were ever unsure, it, it'd be a no-brainer to go with what Mike put down. And, um, you know, really, really took my career to the next level. What does it mean to you to be on this list? I mean, the names that I mentioned, by the way, were like all of your teammates. Roland, <laughs> Retoria, right. Izzy. Uh, that's a pretty cool list right there. That is. I mean, I look at those guys. One, you know, Keith Hernandez, John Tudor, that was kind of when I was growing up. Um, I grew up in New York, so I was partly a Met fan. And uh, Keith Hernandez was a major part of my life in, in 86, especially. Uh, John Tudor, around that same era, was an amazing pitcher for the Cardinals who would battle the Mets. So those two guys, is, it's an honor being even mentioned with them. But as far as my teammates go, gosh, it's, uh, you know, I. Edgar Renteria didn't play on a team that didn't win, so uh, he's hard to be compared to. He was an amazing captain for us and uh, just a, a tremendous leader. Uh, Scott Rowan was the silent leader, went out there, did his job tremendously, ran hard, played hard. Um, gosh, I don't know if he ever missed the ball at third base and um, you know, was a great asset to some of our championship teams. And, of course, Izzy, uh, he, he was one of my best buds. And, you know, came when, when he came in while during a game I pitched, you know, I knew it was lights out. And, uh, and he always got the job done. He's the career leader in saves and, and a big part of the Cardinal organization. Well, and so is Matt Morris, no doubt about it. He's our guest. He's on the Cardinals Hall of Fame ballot. Such an intense competitor. I mean, when it was time to play, when it was time to pitch, you were locked in and ready to go. Yet, away from the game, I always found you to have such a great laid-back vibe. I mean, you and I used to talk about the latest music coming out, and you know your teammates absolutely loved you. Where did you uh, learn how to be a great teammate? Was it from uh, your time spent with Daryl Kyle? 
that uh, major part, major part. Um, he uh, he taught me that between the lines, one thing we get to do between the lines is release all that that built up anger or that built up uh, uh, emotion or or just your physicality of the game. So without that, who knows how I would have been off the field, you know. So uh, you know, having that and being able to go compete and and take my time every fifth day to to just throw it all on the line made it easy for me to be a better teammate during the during the other part of the week as I trained to get to get into my next start. And uh, I definitely noticed that during my Tommy John year where I didn't have that. I didn't have that release. I didn't have the game. And it, it really had me – I was able to sit there and think about things and, and really process stuff without physically being able to do it. And uh, that part of my life was instrumental in, in the fact that I finally lost something that I loved. You know, you don't know how much you love it till it's gone. And when it was gone, it, it really woke me up. And I think that next year or a year and a half later – was one of my best years because I didn't want to give that up again. Matt, before we let you go, how's the family? And you're still around the game, aren't you? Yeah, in a small way, a different way. Uh, family's amazing. I have uh, five kids, and, and I coach my boys' team. Um, and, and last year we were able to bring them to St. Louis to watch a game and, and be with Mike. And Mike uh, brought us around the clubhouse. I mean, really gave us the royal treatment. Um, he's a 10-year-old. So he's in the minors of a Cal Ripken league, and uh, of course I coach that team. And uh, a little different than when I grew up uh, here in Montana. One, we have snow till almost June, which uh, shortens our season quite a bit and our training for sure. Um, but we also travel on, on a bus with my team an hour to our home fields. <laughs> And uh, it's, it's, you know, for me, it's weird for the kids that don't know any better. They love it. The, bu- the bus sometimes is the best part. But um, it, it's definitely different. And, uh, you know, you realize that game's complicated. There are tons of situations that come up and arise during a game that you're trying to teach these young ball players and young, young athletes about the game. But, man, there's so much to it. And, uh I think it's so special to to be able to kind of share my my knowledge, although sometimes I'm talking about the the, the little 10-year-old tipping pitches, which starts to confuse everybody, but (laughs) I try to tone it back down and and get to their level and uh, just make them better athletes. That is awesome. Joining us from Montana is Matt Morris. That's a long way from Cardinal Nation, but I'll bet just the last thing that you can still hear that roar at the old Bush Stadium, man. Those fans are something else. It's amazing. Uh, you know, even that last game when everybody sings the national anthem still gives me chills. You know, uh, the traditions that go on in St. Louis and the type of people and, and fans and, and uh, you know, the respect and knowledge they have for the game is like no other. I was able to play two other places that, that didn't compare and uh, just really grateful to be a Cardinal. Matt Morris on the Cardinals Hall of Fame ballot. You can vote now at cardinals.com slash HOF. Thanks so much for the time. All the best to you and your family. Oh, I appreciate it, Tom. Thanks for having me on. Matt Morris with us. I'm Tom Ackerman on the Cardinals Radio Network. 
While the Cardinals' bats heat up in Florida, we are firing up the new grills of the Budweiser Burger Bar in St. Louis. When you're at the ballpark this season, be sure to head to the Budweiser Terrace on the fourth level of Bush Stadium to try the new Budweiser Burger Bar featuring handmade craft burgers with the Budweiser Twist. Let's take a break. When we come back, Tom and I will talk a little more. Cardinals pitching. That's next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amarant on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. That gives Cardinals fans the ability to go to every home game for just $29.99 a month. All you need is a smartphone for details or to purchase. Visit cardinals.com slash pass. Chris Raby, Tom Ackerman with you, Mike Claiborne as well on this week's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amarant. Tom, we just heard your visit with Matt Morris on the ballot for the Cardinals Hall of Fame, two-time All-Star, sixth in Cardinals history with 986 strikeouts and a heck of a leader. That was a fun chat. Thank you. And that makes – that's another one who Flaherty reminds me of. You know, top of the rotation is going to be out there every day. Matt Morris was an absolute workhorse but a dynamic pitcher. He struck out a ton of hitters. He appeared, Chris, in 11. He was a starter in 11 postseason games. That's a ton. And he, he had, uh, I think, a great career and is very worthy of being on that ballot. Matt Morris was also a very cool, laid-back guy off the field. But when it was his turn to pitch, Tony Larusa, there was nobody he would rather give the ball to than Matt Morris to get him a win. Matt could give you six, seven, sometimes even eight innings just to get you in position to win a game. He was as tough as they come, man. Little Wayno-esque. And I want to talk about Adam Wainwright. What do you think it means for this club to have Adam Wainwright back this year after everything he went through? He told us on this show a couple of weeks ago that, you know, he was a month away from retiring last year at one point until things just clicked and he was able to start progressing and start being more aggressive in his rehab and you know, able to check all the boxes and eventually get back on the mound at the end of last year and then get back on the mound in 2019. Yeah, it was like all of the things that he tried just started to come together. All of the work, all the physical therapy, all of the the, the nutritional uh, benefits, the change that he made in his diet, everything started to come together, and suddenly the ball came out of his hand with a little more ease, with a little more velocity. He, he felt better. He recovered better over and over and over. And suddenly you're telling yourself, I think that I can do this. And so he called Mike Schilt. He called him up and he said, I I think I want to try to be a starter again. And lo and behold, he came back, Chris. And, you know, this was not just, you know, trotting out this uh, museum piece so everybody could clap. I mean, he came out and pitched. I mean, he almost got him back in. He almost got him in the playoffs. The Dodger game was unreal Sunday night last year. He almost put them in the playoffs, and and so he still has it. When Adam Wainwright is just in your dugout and he's injured, he's great to be around. So the fact that he would, the thought that he could trot out there every fifth day and give you a chance to win is huge for them. It also allows you to continue to grow some of your younger starters let them look up to him but also let them continue to grow and develop the cardinals are not going to put adam wainwright out there just for fun or to 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 see if he can do it i mean they're going to put their best five out there but i think that he has a chance to be one of the best five as long as he i would not put it past him i would not doubt him if he says that he feels he's not going to hurt this team if he feels like he can do it He's going to go out there and do it, and I, I think it's great for the team. Here's Mike Schilt talking about Adam Wainwright back in the fold this year. He just called me, and you know we had a plan, obviously, and said, hey, 
I feel like I can start again. You know, I can, my up and downs are good, and I'm, I'm feeling good. And let's let's try to, you know, extend it. So we did, obviously. And he has a nice couple starts towards the end of last year um, that were very effective and looked looked more like the normal Wayno um, as far as effectiveness. And so proved to him most importantly that you know what I I feel good and I can I can do this I can compete and uh, had an uneventful offseason which was fantastic for him and us and here we are Carpenter shaded up the middle and Matt Adams swinging and missing ball in the dirt Francisco Pena down to Paul Goldschmidt and quickly one down so the first strikeout of the spring for Adam Wainwright who gets Matt Adams and has retired all four batters Eddie's face. So right there, that tells you, I mean, a 3-1 count. He's obviously geared up to hit a fastball. Had him throws in the fastball 89 miles an hour. He swings over top of it. Uh, just it, it seems like there's a lot of late movement coming out of Adam, Adam's hand today. Wainwright winds and fires curveball. Hit on the ground. Third base. Carpenter there. He fires across and to the side is retired. Six up, six down for Adam Wainwright in his Grapefruit League debut. We've played two Cardinals and Nationals scoreless in West Palm Beach. We saw Wainwright earlier this week. Actually, that was Schilt talking on Monday in Lakeland about Wainwright before he took the mound against Detroit, and he threw to Matt Wieters. And the backup catching spot has been an interesting one to keep an eye on this camp, Tom, because you had internal candidates, but no one on the 40-man roster. Carson Kelly traded, of course, in the Paul Goldschmidt deal. Francisco Pena brought back in a minor league deal. Andrew Kisner, Joe Hudson uh, picked up over the offseason, was part of the Angels organization. And then you go out you sign... Matt Wieters, February 25th, and now Wieters, I think safe to say, probably in the driver's seat as Pena will miss 10 to 15 days with an oblique injury. The four-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glove Award winner, uh, part of this club, and an opportunity to make this club is Yachty's backup. He said he just wants to win. Uh, he does. He, he just wants to win games. And Yachty, who last year still competed in seven, not competed, started 75% of the Cardinals' games having missed a month with injury. That's how much Yadier Molina plays. It's far and away more than any other starting catcher in the National League and, and throughout baseball. So he's going to play. Yadier's going to lobby to play just about every time. But Matt Wieters, it's such an if he is the backup, it would be a nice security blanket to have because, like he said, he's been there, done that. Has his Have his skills diminished? Yes. He's been in the league for, for a long time. Um, maybe he's not the guy that he was in 2009 when he was the hottest product, prospect of all catchers. But he has the ability. He's, he's won two gold gloves, four-time All-Star. But I, I've been harping on this a lot. His familiarity with Mike Maddox and what Maddox wants to convey to the pitchers because he worked with Mike at Washington is a big deal. And I think it's a great addition if he turns out. And I feel bad for Francisco Pena. And I hope that he rallies and continues to make it a competition. All right, it's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. That's Tom Ackerman. I'm Chris Raby. Mike Claiborne along as well. We'll hand it back over to Claibs. More of his fascinating multi-part conversation with Dr. Robert Butler, the Director of Performance for the Cardinals. That comes your way next right here on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Well, it's always great to visit with Dr. Robert Butler. He is the Director of Performance for the St. Louis Cardinals. And, you know, one of the things is I see these players, and I'm here in January, and their guys working out. You guys have to make sure you're paying attention to each individual because everybody isn't built the same way. Everybody has a different purpose as far as what they like to be better at. Uh, how do you go about that? I mean, you guys, I'm sure, have just detailed records on every person that walks into that training room. 
it comes down to your structure and what's your process. Right? We kind of, we kind of talked about it the other um, the other day. They're about for, a, for before a player works out. There's about seventy five to one hundred and thirty pieces of data that go into that workout. And there's about for the arm care program that the pitchers go through. There's about it's about the same. Right? And then we don't use split hairs on it. The bottom line is it's not what are you going to squat today? What are your weights? What are the and the majority of those data points. It's just like your car. How many sensors your car have? Way more than you ever know because the majority of them are just shut off, right? They don't have a signal. And so what we look at is, is there, is there a check engine light that we need to address, right? Is the oil low, right? And if not, then we're good to carry on and progress as we would have expected with those conditions not occurring. But if there's a check engine light, if the oil's low, if all of a sudden we get the crazy, you know, the crazy symbol that no one knows what it is. You guys warning, you warning, Will Robinson. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Then, then, you, then we need to take time to say, all right, these two out of the twenty-five warrant additional thirty minutes today, right? That you got to fit in sometime between the two o'clock arrival, the six forty game, and the fact you got BP and you got infield and you got dinner at some point in time. But that's not a, a certified athletic trainer. You take care of this, or certified strength coach. You do this. It's how do we collaborate together to get our own different viewpoints? And they calibrate each other. Mm. It's one of the best parts is we had we had a great we had a great con ed in St. Louis just kind of working on all of our continuing edges now often just together to figure out how do we grow together and to really figure out you know how do we bring some of the medical stuff and the strength conditioning stuff together so we understand what that gray area that exists between. Um, and we've really leveraged the idea of you know they all talk about movement. We gotta get moving in a structured way, and we have to regress movement in a way that goes back down to. How do we just build up some foundational pieces? And we've got to eventually progress movement. So we're talking about Milo, and we're talking about building load and progressive load in the logical way that the body can adapt to. Um, and we actually had, we were doing the course, and, and one of the strength coaches came over to me. And he said, hey, hey check, check this out. I said, do you, would you pass this? And, you know, he's there calling out a physical therapist about someone's neck rotation. Not the end of the world. But the question was, is this good enough? And I stood up and I said, no. And explained why. Boom, boom, boom. And he, and he jumped up and down and said, told you. Well, how many, we would hope that happens. But listen, I would love for the data to be correct. But even people need to feel comfortable calling out me. If I said, no, that's, no, that's not good. And here's my rationale why. You'd be like, well, no, this is what I think. Like, as long as we're talking about the exact same thing. The, talking and listening. And listening and understanding that this is the standard and the standard doesn't change. We can be more efficient in our discussions. If the standard moves because I walked into the room. And I went to school way too many years, then that's a problem because the standard exists for a reason. And so that's where, and, and I would hope the exact same way, right? We have one of our field staff that went to one of the courses that we, that we did this year, Chris Swagger. And I said, listen, if he comes around and tells you that your scoring's off for this, it's right. Like, don't, like, like this is a chance for growth here. This is, this is not about us staying somewhere off in a corner. This is about a transparent way of figuring out how can we collaboratively work to maximize the development of, of this athlete. And it all starts with how do they move, right? With movement assumes a basic level of strength, and then we build on that strength at speed, which is power, and then capacity, right? But it's in a process manner. We're visiting with Dr. Robert Butler, Director of Performance for the St. Louis Cardinals. You know, one of the things that we, we hear a lot more, and I read a lot about sleep and rest, and I know you and I have talked about sleep studies. I know the Vancouver Canucks many years ago started this whole thing with sleep studies because I think at that point they travel more than any professional sports team. 
But now we see it not only on the professional level, but now we're starting to get more data for younger people. And for you, I'd love for you to talk about what it means to kids all the way up to the big leaguers. No, it's it, listen, it's 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 extremely important. And, you know, I, I think my wife and I know when when sleep's important because there tends to be a little bit more um, incongruent opinions in the house when that happens. Incongruent. Never heard that term used <laughs> on a <the> field anywhere. It's <laughs> um, um, that Duke education coming out. <laughs> no, not Duke educated. Don't worry about that. So, um, but no, but I, I, I think that, you know, when do you tend to feel off at home? If, if, the, if your first question isn't what did I eat today or how did I sleep last night, then you're making it more complex than it is, right? If all of a sudden you're, because usually, so here's the cycle, and actually Barry Weinberg was good. He pointed this study out to me a couple years ago when I started here. It, it's a cycle because what tends to happen is you don't sleep well, stress, work, whatever, and then as a result of that, you need to feel better about your day. Well, what the best way to feel better about yourself and get your get your hormone responses in the right place is actually eat a bunch of carbs, right? Really? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's your natural response. You tend to eat more to feel better about yourself. You're processing something. Well, that goes down the pathway of now you're in sleep debt, but you feel good and you don't really notice it. And you know, the, I think the most difficult part about sleep is people don't recognize is you'll sleep six hours a night, which is not recommended, right? Everyone should get their eight hours, seven hours, right? But if you're wavering on seven hours, like, what are we talking about now, right? Yeah. Like, you just want to smoke eight cigarettes a day or seven, and I'm not going to argue about that, right? Um, and so it gets back to when we have those, when we, it's, it's making it a priority more than anything else. And I think too often we've taken our sleep and our nutrition for granted. Not everyone needs to necessarily be on the exact same schedule you had for eating as they were when they were a kid they don't burn as many calories they don't move as much as they used to not everyone needs to need not everyone can work just on eight hours of sleep right like listen i got a four and a four point seven five year old boy at home nine-year-old daughter at home an 11 year old daughter at home and they all need way more sleep than i do but if we don't take into account that 11 year old daughter is going through a pretty pretty significant biologic time in her life right now with additional homework load now that she's in fifth grade we're really missing what's happening to her just because of whatever the t the clock says right so sleep to her is almost more important than it is to the nine-year-old not that it's saying it's not important to the nine-year-old they both get plenty of hours of sleep they're both in bed what we feel is a reasonable hour you know 7 30 or so was if when we can right the later and later sports go the, the how fast can i and that's often where the nutritional suffer too right how do you get someone home from a practice at ends at seven o'clock in bed at 7 30 without stopping by mcdonald's on the way home or checkers or whatever your thing is right and so for us it's been okay what are if we're going to do that what are our most healthy options on the past on the way home so we can figure that out, right? So can we do something at Chipotle in a bowl? Can we split up some tacos? Can we get the, you know, the different stuff there as opposed to maybe some things that, listen, they'll get done quickly, but it may not be the option. Or can we put on, this is funny, this is actually ties in well, with our off-season performance camps that the um, you know, ownership really recommended us to look into a couple years ago by bringing some of the players here in the off-season, younger players, that finish, finish middle of September after playoffs are over. Um, we start them in October when, when their schedules start. Um, we actually had them 
crock-pot cooking this year, Mike. Really? And so they would come in. They would come in the first part of their day. Um, we've got a great collaboration with Bob Calvin's nutritional consultant for us. Um, he comes in. He's like, all right, what are you going to do with sweet potatoes? You know how to cut things up? You know how to, like, what's a crock-pot look like? Do you, can you break up a chicken? Right? Can you go to a local, um, get a rotisserie chicken from a local place? And now we think about what else, so what else goes into that? What other protein goes into that? Peas? Right? You put some corn in there. What do you like that goes in there? Sweet potatoes? And let's figure out how to get you something that you don't feel like you got to stop by and get that quick, big calorie, big fat, inefficient meal at the end of the night and do something that's ready for you. Um, and often it's just preparation, right? Which as you've seen, you know, obviously um, Mike Schilt talk about quite a bit. It's like those little things to prepare, those are, that's no longer an option, right? Let's get those right. Let's figure those things out as we figure out our overall preparation strategy. So often, as I think about what my family does to get back to kind of what you mentioned originally, it's how well do we prepare for the day? Whether it's laying out clothes the night before for what's gonna happen, related to the after school activities. Because when those rush times happen is when the sleep goes down, the nutrition goes down. And so sometimes it's just thinking that 24 hours ahead of time to figure out how do we best prepare to set up the 10 hours of sleep you're trying to get so we maximize the, the you know, the really the reset, the recovery that, that's required of a nine, 11 year old child as they're going through the daily rigors of having that big mental cortical load in the morning and then hopefully a good physical load in the afternoon before they head to bed and go to bed and start the cycle all over again. For the very best in Cardinals coverage, it's Cardinals Magazine. Subscribe today and receive two free tickets to see the Redbirds at Bush this summer. Order at 314-345-9000 or cardinals.com slash publications. We're back to wrap things up this week from Florida on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Emerin. That's next on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Hey, the Cardinals Kids Club presented by Rawlings is the fan club for kids 13 and under. Membership includes exclusive Cardinals items, two tickets to a 2019 Cardinals home game, an invite to a members-only party at Bush Stadium, and much more. Visit cardinals.com slash kidsclub to join. That's going to do it for us as we have another week of Grapefruit League games in the books. And believe it or not, three weeks from tomorrow, the Cardinals will open the 2019 regular season. Can't wait and can't wait for another great week of Cardinals countdown to opening day next week. Thank you to all of our guests. A big thanks to Lou Brock, Mike Maddox. Thanks to Brett Cecil, Matt Morris, Dr. Robert Butler, and Martin Coco. Thank you, as always, to our executive producer, Ben Boyd, Mike Anderson, back in our network studios, and Ann Carroll of the Cardinals Radio Network. Now for my co-hosts this week, Mike Claiborne and Tom Ackerman. I'm Chris Raby. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you next Wednesday for Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Emerin right here on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazon's 
into the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.